Hey everyone, this is Brian from the Tennis IQ Podcast. Josh and I hope that you are enjoying the content and discussions that we put out week after week. If you'd like to support the podcast and help us to continue to produce quality episodes, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash podcast slash membership. Currently, we have three tiers of support, the fan level at $3 per month, the supporter level at $7 per month, and the champion level at $20 per month. Benefits of joining the Tennis IQ podcast community include episode transcripts, participation in book club discussions, and access to monthly masterclasses with me and Josh. For more on these benefits of support, head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash podcast slash membership. Thank you so much. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the Tennis IQ Podcast. I'm Brian Lomax. And I'm Josh Berger. And in today's episode, we're going to discuss how you can study what works, how you can try to learn from successes and learn from what's working on the court, whether this is the practice court um, or during matches, and really try to understand what is happening, what's leading to that success, what's working. Um, I think there's the old sort of adage or cliche in a certain way. I mean, I think not that, not that this doesn't have value that we want to learn from our, learn from failure, learn from losses. And I, I think there's, there's absolutely um, a, a real benefit to, to doing that, right? We want to make sure that we're learning from what isn't working and make sure that we can adjust and make changes so that we can not repeat the same patterns and cycles over and over again, and instead make improvements. But I think we also want, and I think this isn't something that necessarily gets the recognition that it deserves. We also want to be studying and learning from what is working, right? When when a player is doing well, when a player is winning, when somebody's making improvements, let's not just take it for granted. Let's really try to understand what is actually happening here. What is leading to these improvements? What is leading the, this player to win more? What is leading this player to enjoy themselves on the court more if that's the case and let's take that all in and let's try to learn from it so that we can you know try to replicate that and repeat that in the future yeah and i think um tony robbins is maybe not the first person to say this but he often has said success leaves clues and when we're playing tennis and you know on our journey to learn and improve we are trying to create success um, and understanding how we have done it in the past or how we have hit a particular shot well in the past is, is very important as opposed to simply f- looking at mistakes, and et cetera. Because, the, you know, if we're thinking about mistakes and errors, that becomes the dominant thought in our head. Um, and so this is, a me- you know, a try to open up people's eyes toward don't just look at what's going wrong. Also really notice what is going well and correctly. And, you know, from like a, an academic and an evidence-based perspective, there's a, there's a good amount of research on this. I, I think, Josh, I was introduced to this in, in a positive psychology class where I think more on the organizational side, uh, there's this concept of appreciative inquiry 
which is a big process of, of how to work with an organization, but a big part of appreciative inquiry, right, obviously appreciating, is studying what works in the organization, studying what we do well, um, because the idea is can we create more of that? Um, the appreciative inquiry process has, has a lot more on vision and goals and design of, of things. And, you know, there are some things that we could possibly pull from there, but there's a good academic base on that. I think also the strengths-based approach um, used in positive psychology can kind of be transported to this as well, because we're looking at positive things, we're looking at what you're good at, but we also want to understand how, how you, how you do that kind of thing. And I think we're also going to look today at the resonance performance model. We'll explain more about what that is, but that's really about tuning in to success in the moment and trying to understand how it feels, trying to detail and describe for yourself what that is. And then, and then to repeat it at a, a mental, emotional, and physical level, and, and then being aware, aware of that. So there's a lot of, I think, good academic and evidence-based stuff here for us to to plug into. And I agree, Josh, that there is that adage of, you know, you learn more from your, your losses than your wins. And, and I, I have always disputed that. I think there are things to learn in both situations. And it's, um, I think too often in our culture, we get very sort of binary. It's either this or that. Well, you know what? It could be this and that. And I think that that's a much better approach to things um, than just thinking it's one or the other. Um, And so I think, uh, you know, this is a really interesting topic for us to discuss. Definitely. Definitely. And I think we we want to make it a habit. And yeah, we want to make it a habit to, to try to learn from from every performance, right? To learn from every performance, learn from our practices, our training, learn from matches, whether they went really well, whether they didn't go so well. Um, I had a conversation with a player recently. Um, They were telling me about a recent tournament and told me about a match where they won six love, six love. And I said, you know, tell me about that. And they're like, oh, well, you know, the player wasn't as strong. And I'm like, okay, fine. But you know, it's still important to recognize what happened in this match because it's not easy to win six love, six love against anybody, right? The your opponent's probably gonna fight back and and maybe make some changes or maybe look to disrupt your rhythm in some way. And even if you're the stronger player, um, it's 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 tough to win a match like that. So can we learn from that sort of a performance and say, okay. What did we do well out there? What was really working for us? You know, how did we disrupt our opponent's rhythm and game plan and what they were trying to do? You know, can we learn from that sort of a performance as well, right? I mean, that's obviously a a different type of example, but, you know, or can we think about a match maybe where you won and and it was close and and what did you do with those big moments that worked for you? That, That in the future, you know, you can have that as part of your game plan or your system going forward. Or, you know, on a day maybe where you lost, but you played well and you fought, you know, and and all of that, what are some of the takeaways there? So I think there's all different types of situations um, where, yeah, being able to really learn from our successes, learn from what's working um, is really valuable rather rather than taking things for granted, which I think is really the alternative. And I think for a lot of people, sort of their their default mode, right? They, I think it's, and this I think is something we can discuss a lot more about, but I think for a lot of players, 
they look for what's wrong. They're constantly trying to fix things or improve on things. And instead, you know, there's nothing wrong with trying to make improvements and we should certainly try to do that. But I, I feel like oftentimes when players do things right, it's it's expected. They take it for granted. It's like, oh, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. But that's not necessarily the case. There's You're not supposed to make that shot. There's There's no... You know, there's no rule saying that that, you know, just because your form is right, just because you're watching the ball, that the that your shot is going to go in. Right. There's not nothing that's saying that just because your UTR is higher than your opponent, that you are going to win or that you should win. So I think, you know, in, in different cases, can we catch ourselves doing things right? Can we acknowledge it, give ourselves credit for it? rather than just always putting the focus on what's wrong and taking taking it for granted when we do things the right way, the way that we want to do them. I think your story of the player who won the match 0-0 is, is a really good example of part of the reason that this is hard for people. Is, <clears throat> as you said, good performances are, are noted as they're expected, maybe. We take them for granted. Uh, sometimes we put a little bit too much on like the opponent just wasn't good or whatever. But as you said, Josh, beating anybody 0-0 is hard because it's easy to get distracted and lose your focus and make mistakes. Even if you should beat somebody 0-0, it doesn't always happen in that manner. And so, you know, changing one's perspective to also study success is difficult because for the most part, the environment around us doesn't value that. Coaches tend to look more at What's going wrong? You sit in on any tennis lesson or a clinic, a lot of coaches will be pointing out corrections throughout the lesson or a clinic. There may be some, of course, who are also praising positive things, but um, the ratio of that is probably more on the, the negative side. If you know, you're know you a junior player, you probably hear more from your parents about what you did wrong. And the intention is good, obviously, but the execution of that can be better from both the coaching side, the parental side. And then, of course, all of that influences you as a player. So now you, just through all of that programming, believe that fixing problems and studying losses is more beneficial than looking at success because, well, I'm supposed to be successful. I'm supposed to do all these things. That's simply not true. Hitting a, a ball correctly or winning a match is hard no matter what you're doing out there. It's just like success in life is hard. Tennis is a great place to be practicing life. So like a little microcosm there, right? The inevitable adversity. So I think we want to begin to look at, at a deeper level, when you make a good shot or you play a good point, what were you experiencing in that moment. And that's where, you know, something to me like the resonance performance model, which is all about understanding what does your best performance feel like? What what does your body feel like? What is your mind like? What are the kinds of thoughts that are going through your mind when you're doing something really well? What's your confidence like at that moment? Uh Perhaps even noting, is there some sort of uh, lower anxiety, less pressure in this moment? Um, 
did you come to the court with specific goals that day that allowed you to focus a little bit more? Perhaps you had more of a beginner's mindset or a learning mindset when you came to the court that day. What was your mood? How was your energy? Did you sleep great the night before? You know, how did you fuel yourself? So the more that you're tuning into some of these things, now we can begin to, to replicate. And many of the things I mentioned, Josh, are not even about what you're doing on the court. Some of it is, what did you do beforehand? How did you get yourself mentally and emotionally ready before you even played today? And then when you're on the court, if you, if you have a good understanding of what it feels like when I'm playing well, there are a lot of controllable things that you can now exercise to help you feel, get closer to that. And then you can be monitoring that and making little adjustments there as opposed to, oh, you miss a forehand in the net. Oh, there's something technical wrong. That tends to lead to overthinking. And now we're, now we're more focused on mistakes rather than focused on, on success. That can harm our confidence. We can begin to overthink, you know, our body gets tense. So we can actually change your body chemistry in a negative way when we're focusing more on the frustrations and the things that we're, we're doing wrong. So we have to be careful about the effect of that. And as I said earlier, we're not being binary about this, though. We're not just like only looking at what you did well and ignoring what you didn't do well. We're kind of doing, we're doing a little bit of both. But I think it's really important for us to to tune more into how we create success. And really that means tuning into your mind, your body, your emotions, your mood, your energy. The more that you're in touch with that, the easier it can become to start to recreate these good performances. Totally. And I think connected to what you're saying, um, you know, when we focus too much on what went wrong in a certain way, it's almost as if we're visualizing it. It's almost as if we're visualizing it. We're just, we're focusing on it so much. We're thinking about it. We're replaying it in our head. And, you know, a lot of the research around visualization shows that that is essentially just reinforcing that to, to happen more. Um, I think an important point here as well is that, you know, when things are going well, we, we want to recognize it. We want to learn from it because things, you know, the, the, we're always going to be experiencing ups and downs. There's always going to be times in the future where things don't go so well, where we, we have some downs or we hit a slump or we lose a match where we feel like we shouldn't or, you know, or, or just things aren't necessarily clicking in the same way. And I think if we can take the time when things really are going well to learn from it, to notice what's working, um, to recognize the pieces of our performance that helped us to perform the way that we did, um, then it's a lot easier in those moments where things have taken a downturn or things aren't going as smoothly to try to apply some of that. And I think there's different ways we can do this. I mean, I think journaling is a big one, you know, having some sort of a journaling process or a practice where you can just take, it doesn't have to, from my perspective, doesn't have to be too long, but just having some sort of process where you can take note of how things went out there. And especially on those days where things went well, you can really you know add some detail in terms of why did they go well? What did you do right? 
how did you, as you said, with the residence performance model, how did you feel? What were some of your self-talk, some of your you know thoughts, physical sensations? What did your confidence level look like? Like if you can really detail it, then I, I find it's a little bit easier to get back into that mode or at least to work towards getting into that mode when things aren't going so smoothly because it's it's inevitable. It's inevitable that things will take a downturn at some point. And I don't say this in a pessimistic way. I, I think it's realistic, right? That things, you know, that there's never, um, making improvements in our game never just happens in a straight line. It never just happens from where we are today to where we want to be. And it's, you know, each day we're getting, you know, half a percent better or, or whatever it is. And then the next day, another half percent. And that's not how it works. There's, you know, there's always ups, there's always downs. Um, you know, what we want to do is we want to be able to zoom out to a few months or a year or a few years and see, okay, what's the direction of things, right? I I think I've said this before. I like to think of it almost like the stock market, where in the course of a day, the, the market is up a percent or it's down a half a percent or a, whatever it may be, right? And within that day, there's a lot of emotion, either way, on, on the positive side or the negative side, but... Ultimately, what's what's really important is not that one day. What's really important is, okay, what direction are things going in? Can I look at the first quarter, right? And and see see the progress that's being made, see the direction things are going in. And I think it's the same thing when we look at our own progress, that it's very easy to get wrapped up in a day, right? Whether that's a practice session where you're having a tough time making the ball in the court, or you're not moving your feet, or a match that you lost that Maybe you feel like you shouldn't have. Um, it's very easy to get wrapped up in that day or that one performance. But can we zoom out? Can we take more of a long-term perspective and say, okay, how are things going these past few months? Um, and I think that's that's connected to this idea because I think when we can catch the, uh, catch ourselves doing things right, when we can give ourselves credit for that, it helps us notice and recognize why are things moving in the direction that they're moving in? Right. I think it's it's easy to take it for granted. Like I should be progressing or improving as a tennis player, but that's not necessarily the way that things always work. Right. Let's notice why things are working for us. And the more that we can journal and take note and add detail, the easier it is for us to to use that, use those performances, use those experiences in the future. And I think to me, one of the goals with understanding all of that, Josh, is to be able to do it more. So what I mean by that is many of us can play one good point. But can we make one point two? Can we actually sustain success for longer periods of time during matches? Um, you know, if you can play one good game, can we get that to two? Um, so the more you understand how you're doing things, the more that you can lengthen your success so we can watch a player play a match for example and maybe they play a couple good games in a set and then some of the other games are not not as good we don't necessarily need to look at the games that they were not as good because understand all right how'd you do that in those two games what's the barrier to making to getting us to three games or four games what do we really need to do why did maybe maybe there is a part of the problems like why did we drop out of that but can we kind of reconnect to this all the time so a lot of times I think it's more just trying to 
notice we can be successful for a period of time. Can we just make that period of time a little bit longer? Can we be a little bit more consistent, a little bit longer? Maybe we understand, try to understand as well what's, what's taking us out of our success, but at the same time, understand what it is that's helping to create it. Um, you know, I watch a lot of matches and I see players doing things really well at times, but then it doesn't last the whole time. And that's a lot of what we work on is understanding, all right, how did you do that? And how can we do that for a little bit longer? Even if it's just like we're down to working on maybe one stroke, maybe a new forehand. If you can hit one good forehand, you can hit two. It's a matter of believing that and then trying to create a streak of of good ones. And then, you know, once you've got the streak and you're internalizing really how that feels and what you're thinking and all that, it becomes easier to replicate. And this is where the, the, you know, the coach's voice of making corrections can be counterproductive because it's not so much focused on what you did right. It's more focused on what went wrong. So these, it's just a way of, of talking to yourself because I think when we, when we're constantly looking at what we're doing wrong, we're not building a positive relationship with ourselves. So for example, there's a Marcus Buckingham. He's uh, someone who works a lot in organizational psychology about strengths, strengths in organizations, strengths with individuals. And he talks about how when you focus on your strengths and what you're good at, you actually build a better relationship with yourself because you are accepting your positive qualities. When you focus only on what's going wrong, you're potentially building a dysfunctional relationship with yourself. Like you want to love yourself. You want to be proud of yourself. But then at the same time, yourself, oh, you got to change. Everything's wrong. So it's very hard to have that positive, confident relationship when that's only your view. So the more that we can understand and give credit to ourselves when we are doing things well, the better the relationship we'll have with ourselves. And if we have a more stable relationship with ourselves, and we know what we're trying to do, it's easier to make these corrections. It's easier to focus on what we need to do and have a learning mindset when we're really more focused just on errors and it's making us feel bad, we're less confident. We kind of go back into that performance-based identity we had discussed previously, Josh, right? And the pitfalls of only looking at yourself based on, on performance. So I think, you know, understanding that relationship you're creating with yourself is really, I think it's an important aspect of studying success because everybody who's listening to this has hit great shots, played great matches, played great points at times. If you can tune into that just a little bit more than maybe you are, then you can start to build a little bit better relationship with yourself. You can start to feel more capable, more effective on the court. You can believe in yourself more. Uh, and I think you just overall make yourself a better tennis competitor. Totally, totally. And I think when it comes to that comparison piece, um, I almost c- connected in a certain way to like social media, how people talk about with social media. We see, we see the the finished product of everybody else, right? We see the finished product. We see sort of the highlight reel of what other people are doing, right? Other people's achievements, uh, 
you know, what are they doing? Oh, I met this person, travel or, or whatever it may be. But with ourselves, we see the behind the scenes, right? So we're comparing our own behind the scenes to their highlight reel. And I think it's very easy in a performance context to, to do the exact same thing, where it's like we see the day-to-day, -day, right? We have our expectations. We know when we're not reaching them. Um, we know when we're not reaching our own standards. You know, we we know those matches that maybe don't go so well. And we're comparing it to maybe a more idealized version of other people, right? We're maybe putting people on a pedestal in a certain way, especially maybe if somebody is ranked or rated above you. It's very easy to view them as, you know, almost almost as if they, they can do no wrong or almost as if they're unbeatable in a certain way. So I think it's just very easy to compare ourselves and to not necessarily give ourselves the benefit of the doubt with those comparisons. But instead, you know, see ourselves in sort of that rough, behind messy, behind the scenes way, and think feel that somehow other people have it all, have it all together, have it all sorted out. Yeah, I think that's similar to that analogy about uh, you know, learning how like you know the the sausage is made, right, versus just having the end product and yep. and um. Yeah, there's a lot of kind of real stuff going on behind the scenes. It's not easy to create these performances. We we do get to see all these finished products, like from a tennis perspective, and we tend to be very our culture very talent focused. Yet every player who's at the top of the game did not get there on talent alone. Um, you know, as Angela Duckworth talks about in her book Grit, talent is nothing without effort. So talent you know, combined with effort equals skill, skill combined with effort equals achievement. So that's what we're talking about here is effort, but we're trying to put you all into the direction of right effort and focusing exclusively on what's going wrong on mistakes, improvements, corrections is, is not necessarily the most complete path is not necessarily the right effort the whole way. And so let's make sure that we're also mixing in a study of what goes well. Let's not take good performances for granted. Let's not necessarily even say that the performance was so good because the opponent wasn't that good or some, or they were having a bad day or whatever. Right? Let's give ourselves credit for that. Um, so the you know let's just not. Again, expect that good performances are, are normal. They're not. They're hard to create. And the more you understand about that, as well as the improvements you need to make, can all help you on that journey. I think that's more kind of the right effort, right thinking that we're looking for if our goal is to become the best player we can become. There's a lot to learn from both sides of, of this discussion. And I think really, Josh, our purpose today has been to open up minds to don't be afraid to look at what you're doing well. There's a lot of goodness there. There's a lot to study there. Um, and the more that you tune into that, the more easily you'll be able to recreate some of those performances, or, or hopefully that's so. Totally, totally. And I think as, you know, as we start to wrap up, it's, you know, I, I think something that people can do is they can think back to past performances that they've had that have gone well, right? And, and this doesn't need to mean that everything went perfectly because that's 
you know, not, not necessarily realistic or possible, but um, just think about a, a positive, good performance that you've had recently. And what are some of the takeaways? What are some of the, the, you know, the things that you can learn from it? Did you get a good night's sleep beforehand? Did you do something different in your training leading up to it? Did you, you know, how was your self-talk? How did it feel to be on the court? Um, were you putting more pressure on yourself? Were you enjoying the match and, and being out there? Um, so I think being able to ask yourself some of these questions, being able to really essentially play it back or experience that that memory in a really vivid way, I think can can help you uncover some of those clues, help you some, uncover some of those clues about what was working, about why it worked, about how you could hopefully replicate that in the future so that you can bring your sort of average performance just a little bit closer to that best performance, to that day where things were working well. But I think in order to do that, we have to, you know, like a lot of things, it starts with awareness. It starts with us being aware of what's working and us being aware of, you know, why we perform the way that we did ultimately taking note of that and then trying to really make that effort to, to replicate it. So feel free to let us know what you all discover in your process of becoming more aware of how to create better performances. As Josh mentioned, journaling about it is great. And I think we've given you uh, a number of questions to be asking yourself as you go through that investigation and you become more aware of those, of those positive performances. So that's our show for today. Thank you all for listening. For more on today's episode, you can check out the show notes. If you have any feedback or questions for the two of us, please email us at tennisiqpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the content that Josh and I discuss on the show, please rate and review the podcast so other tennis enthusiasts can find it more easily. Additionally, to be notified of new episodes, please subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice, including YouTube. And you can also check us out on Instagram. If you would like to support the podcast, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash podcast slash membership, where you can learn about the benefits of being part of the Tennis IQ podcast community. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon in our next episode.